Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Don't want to miss that statement. He told Laban all these things. When it says he told Laban all these things, it means Jacob unloaded his heart to Laban. Jacob told Laban everything. He just laid it all out. I mean, what a day and what a night that must have been in Laban's house when Jacob feels that finally, I know I found the girl of my dreams. I found the real home. Not a home with a father who loves my brother more than me, but a home where I, Jacob, am loved because I am Jacob. Not a home with a brother who wants to kill me, but a home of love and acceptance. And he feels that this is the home. And he's got this beautiful cousin over here as well that he's just presented himself to. So he's become a kissing cousin, you know, literally. What a great home this is for Jacob as he looks at Rachel and he says to himself, I'm gonna marry that girl. I'm gonna marry that girl. I'm going to become an integral part of this family, of this home. This is my new home. Forget about that home back there in Beersheba. I just found what I've been looking for all my life. And we've already seen how Jacob came with this heart of my new home. Where'd we see it in this chapter? Where Jacob comes on the scene with this spirit of my new home. You need a hint? It's in the first part of the chapter, 29. Where he's telling the other guys Close. What does he say to the guys? My brethren. I mean, my, my brethren. Yeah, that's it. He called, the, he called these men, my brethren. You know, he's coming there. He says, Can you need a picture of that scene. I mean, he's coming here and goes, my brothers. <laughs> and they go, who, us? <laughs> Do we know you? You know, he doesn't just say brethren. He says, my brethren. You know, he didn't, he didn't just walk up there and say, howdy, partner. <laughs> he says, howdy, my partner. You know? I mean, we could just see Jacob here. He's, he's just settling into this new place, and he's saying, now I've found my brothers. Now I've found my real home. I'm going to be cared for. I'm going to be accepted. I'm not going to be taken advantage of. So he thinks. <laughs> That's a very significant statement in verse 13 when it says about Jacob, and he told Laban all these things. See, he is continuing in this my brethren spirit. And he's looking at Laban and he's saying, you and I are family and I'm gonna tell you everything. I'll keep back no secrets from you. You're gonna be my new father that I never had. And I found a father who now who's gonna love me and who's gonna be there for me. You know, this is like the rolling of the stone again. 
You know, Jacob is in this state of 100% self-confidence. And if you tap Jacob on the shoulder and you said, Jacob, you know, you know, maybe, you would say, get away from me. I know who I found. He doesn't know it. He's making a fool of himself, but he doesn't realize it. He doesn't know as he's telling Laban all these things that Laban is plotting against him. He's doing what it says in verse 13. He's telling Laban everything. It's like Samson in Delilah's bedroom where it says in Judges 16.9, now there were men lying in wait abiding with her in the chamber when she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and so forth. See, Samson thought he was in that bedroom making love when in reality he was making a fool of himself. He didn't know in Delilah's bedroom there were men hiding in wait, waiting to destroy Samson. And Jacob thought he's building a great friendship with Laban when in reality, Laban's lying in wait because in Laban's heart, Laban was lying in wait to sap every ounce of strength out of Jacob for his own gain and just leave Jacob ruined as we'll see later on. And knowing what we know, we wanna jump in this picture at verse 13 and we wanna say to Jacob, no, Jacob, don't give your heart to Laban. You can't trust Laban. Stop, Jacob. Watch out, Jacob. That's what we want to do. But at the end of verse 13, when it says about Jacob, and he told Laban all these things, Jacob just went on and on and on. And he told Laban how he deceived his father. And we can see Laban thinking, oh, so you think it's okay to trick your father? Then you shouldn't be upset if I trick you. (laughs) And seeing Jacob there just pouring out his heart in confidence to Laban is a picture of many of us as we've seen of ourselves as we've come to the world in our past with such high hopes, with the thought that the world's my oyster and the world's gonna deliver what I always wanted. Now I've got a chance for satisfaction and fulfillment. I'm gonna find it here in the world. And the person going to the world thinks, who needs God when I've got such a promising world in front of me? And as Jacob expects from Laban great things, a person expects and looks at the world great things, but the world's going to deliver to that person the same thing that Laban delivered to Jacob. Not what he expected. And as Jacob opens himself up to Laban, so a person opens himself up to the world. And as Jacob expected these great things from Laban, a person expects great things from the world. And just as we want to jump in this picture right now and tell Jacob, don't open yourself up to Laban like that. Don't love Laban. Don't expect from Laban. So the Lord Jesus Christ warns us about the world in John 15, 19. In John 15, 19, the Lord said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. It's not that the world is indifferent toward you. It's not that the world doesn't care about you. The world is actively hating you. So, And we want to jump in on verse 13 and tell Jacob not to embrace and kiss Laban. Don't kiss that man. He's going to be trouble for you. And John jumps into the verse 13 in our lives and tells us, don't embrace and kiss the world. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, when he says, love not the world, 
Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world, and the world passes away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. What a picture this is for us of Jacob as an unsuspecting soul and Laban as the world scheming against the soul's destruction. Then in verse 13, we see how Laban assures Jacob. He assures him, he says, I love you, Jacob. I have good intentions for you, Jacob. When it says in verse 14, and Jacob said to him, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with them the space of a month. See Laban's words in verse 13. Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. They really bring a sense of great assurance to Jacob. See, I knew I was right. He calls me his bone. He calls me his flesh. And then it says in the last part of verse 13, he abode with him the space of a month. See, there's like a connection between these two statements in verse 13. Because Laban assured Jacob that he was his bone and his flesh, therefore Jacob abode with him. He relaxed. The word used for uh, dwell there is the word yashab. Yashab has the root meaning to sit down. So he sat down with him. The idea is Jacob sitting with Laban. Jacob is very comfortable. He's sitting there with, with Laban, and very much at ease. Yashab, he sits with Laban. What is that? Yashab, the same word that's used in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor what? Sitteth, Yashab, in the seat of the scornful. Jacob is Yashab, sitting with Laban. He's sitting in Laban. Very dangerous, Jacob, very dangerous, but he doesn't know it. And then it says he abode with him the space of a month. And so he stayed there, uh, and it could mean he stayed there for maybe it was a month, where really more the idea of some uncertain amount of time, but just day by days went on without any really regard for how we're going to eventually arrange these matters. It was just all of a, it was just kind of a, oh, what's the rush? We'll work out how we're going to have our arrangement later. And all this was purposeful as it built in Jacob the idea of how, boy, Laban really trusts me. I can trust him. Now, after some period of time, Laban tells Jacob in verse 15 that he's his brother. He says, I'm your brother. Well, he says, that that's really nice. He says, can you imagine such a thing? He says in verse 15, and Laban said unto Jacob, because thou art my brother. Oh, Oh, it touches my heart. First I'm his bone, now I'm his flesh, now I'm his brother. You know? So <laughs> and and now we see in verse 15 how Laban's really moving in for the kill on Jacob. He has no idea. He's got his plan. See, Laban has his plan. It says in verse 15, Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for not? Tell me what shall thy wages be? Wages? Wages? Who said anything about wages? Where did that subject of wages come up? That's strange. I never heard that before. Wages. Wages. Hmm. (laughs) Wages. Well, you know, Jacob left home pretty fast. And there just wasn't time to get much of anything except his skin out of there. And if there was a little time for Jacob before he left home, he might have consulted with Eliezer. And because Eliezer knew Laban, and that would have been helpful for Jacob. 
if he just would have had a little sit-down time with Eliezer, because Eliezer would have warned Jacob. And he would says, Jacob, uh, I got to tell you this. When you come to Haran, watch out for this character named Laban. <laughs> because he tried to delay me. And he put a lot of pressure on me when I was there and got your mother. So watch out for him. Well, he didn't have that advantage. And so here's the start of the pressure that Laban is beginning to apply. You know, now the valve is closed and the heat is applied and the pressure is building up. And so this mention of wages, he doesn't have anything. I mean, Laban was sort of hoping that Uncle Laban, because he's such a good uncle, he'll just give Rachel to him for a wife. I mean, after all, flesh, bone, brother, you know. (laughs) But now, dear Uncle Laban has brought up this subject of wages. And Jacob says, does he know I don't have anything? Oh, but Jacob, Laban is so crafty here. (laughs) He doesn't ask Jacob, well, what do you think of working for wages? He just assumes that Jacob agrees to work for wages. And then he moves into the question of, what will the wages be, Jacob? You know, (laughs) that reminds me when I sold pots and pans. I used to sell pots and pans when I was in high school in Los Angeles. And the pots and pans came in different colors. And so we went to our training class, and they always told us, now, don't ask the lady if she wants the pots and pans. Ask her what color she wants. (laughs) I think our pots and pans company got their script from Laban. (laughs) Tell me, what shall thy wages be? (laughs) Not, are you going to work for wages? Very effective move. Good move, Laban. And that's the move that Laban has just made with Jacob. There's no question brought up about whether there's going to be wages. The only question is, what will the wages be? Oh, he was so smooth with his talk. First, he just appears so generous which with his, well, shouldst thou serve me for naught? I feel so bad. You're serving me for nothing. That's so terrible. <laughs> and he's saying to Jacob, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm taking advantage of you and extracting labor and giving you nothing in return. I need to pay you. In reality, that's exactly what Laban wants to do with Jacob, extract labor for him and give him nothing in return. But when Laban says, shouldst thou therefore serve me for not, he's protesting at the idea of taking advantage of Jacob. And Jacob has been distracted from seeing that's exactly what Laban is going to do to him. Very effective strategy. Then by asking Jacob to name his wages, well, that really caught Jacob off guard. He thought, boy, hmm, Uncle Laban trusts me so much, I get to name the wages. And of course, we can hear Laban saying, like an auctioneer, telling Jacob, now make your price, reflect the value of Rachel, because after all, low price, you don't think very much of her, so how much do you think of the, how much do I get for this beautiful woman? So the question in verse 15 put to Jacob, tell me, what shall thy wages be, is the beginning for Jacob of struggles. This is the beginning of struggles. Moving the stone was nothing compared to what he's going to start now. Way back in Genesis 28, 21, Jacob was at a crossroads in his life. The crossroads are, Jacob, are you going to make the Lord your God? Or Jacob, are you not going to make the Lord your God? That's a crossroads. And way back there in Genesis 28, 21, God was saying to Jacob, Jacob, 
there's two ways that we can do this life thing for you. We can, one hand, your life can be, you make the Lord your God. Or, on the other hand, you can make your life not make the Lord your God. It's totally your decision, Jacob. What's your decision? God said, really, I'm asking you, Jacob, you want the easy way in life or the hard way in life? You want the trusting way in life or do you want the self-confidence way in life? You want the way of peace in your life or you want the way of trouble in your life? You want the way of calm or you want the way of struggle? And so Jacob, of course, chooses the wrong way. You know, He's decided to not make the Lord his God. And Jacob, therefore, is starting off, and it's beginning here, with a life of struggles. Jacob has decided to not have the Lord be his God from Genesis 28, 21, but he set it off for some distant time. And so he does not have the benefit of getting God's counsel. He doesn't have the benefit of being led by God. He doesn't have the benefit of, of God saying to him, Jacob, don't believe what Laban's saying to you. Therefore, Jacob is going to have us to struggle for everything in life. And a person who will not make the Lord his God and does not wait on God and does not pray to God and does not want God telling him what to do does not have the benefit of God's counsel in his life. He doesn't have the benefit of being led by God and he's gonna have to struggle for everything in life. And that's gonna be the description of a person who does not make the Lord his God, struggle. And this is the description of Jacob's life who has not made the Lord his God struggle. So Jacob's life without the Lord as his God is just one massive struggle. Jacob struggles for his birthright. Jacob struggles for his wife. Jacob will struggle for his herds. Jacob will struggle for security in his life. He's not gonna be killed. Jacob's struggling in his old age. And at the end, we even see him struggling for where he's gonna be buried. And this all happens when a person decides to walk by sight and not by faith. Life becomes one massive struggle. And we see Jacob struggling as a fugitive. He's running from his home. He's a fugitive. He's struggling to try to return home. And we're just starting to see Jacob in his seven-year struggle for Rachel, and that's really gonna turn out to be a 14-year struggle for Rachel. And we'll see uh, Jacob now struggle for 20 years throughout this time with Laban. He's trying to get back home. And even, like I said, in the end of his life, in the evening of his life, he's gonna be struggling again. At the end, he wants to see, he's hoping to see Joseph after death. He talks about it in Sheol. And when Jacob is dying, he's struggling. I don't want a grave here in Egypt. I want a grave in Egypt, in in, uh, Canaan. Now, even though he's going down this road of one massive struggle because he didn't make the Lord his God, what we see is an amazing thing here, and that is God faithfully working with him, especially as he reaches three monumental times in his life. Bethel, God intervening in Genesis 28. Peniel, God intervening in Genesis 32. And finally, the last day of his life on his deathbed, God intervening in giving him knowledge in Genesis 49. Now, in verse 16, we are told about Laban's two daughters, where it says to us, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Oh, there are two daughters. Okay, he didn't know that when Rachel came there, but he's got two daughters. The name of the elder is Leah. The Hebrew Leah means worn out or wearied. 
(laughs) And how much do I get for this worn out wife? (laughs) Worn out. And the name of the younger was Rachel, which means you or female sheep. The word for Leah has within it this Hebrew part where it means, it describes Leah as simply weak or dull. And um, it describes her as tender-eyed. Tender-eyed is what it says. In the Arabic language, at least, this term means a woman with moist or blurry eyes. Blurry eyes. So what this means is that Leah's eyes were not exactly in keeping with the oriental idea of beauty. See, poor Leah, she just had moisture in her eyes. But the oriental idea of beauty were black eyes. It's not the idea of my sons. My son says about black eyes, oh, black, 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 I can't stand black. So who does Joseph have for a girlfriend? (laughs) Norma, that's Hispanic with black eyes. Anyway, but black eyes is the idea of the oriental idea of beauty, full of life, full of fire. Fire can cause problems, but that's what they have. Clear, expressive, dark eyes. That's considered the principal part of female beauty. And Leah didn't have those type of eyes. And that made Leah the ugly duckling, unfortunately. By the way, who was the mother of Judah? Leah. Leah was the mother of Judah. Leah as the mother of Judah. Leah was the mother of the Davidic messianic line. Leah, she didn't carry the prize for beauty like Sarah and Rebecca did. She had these moist, blurry eyes. Now, notice in verse 17 the word but in contrast to the ugly duckling. But, in verse 17, tells us that in contrast, Rachel was beautiful, which implies she had beautiful eyes. And also, as we mentioned before, the two Hebrew words emphasize her shape or her figure. So she had a good figure. And now, in verse 18, we see the heart of Jacob. The heart of Jacob is expressed in verse 18. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I'll serve these seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. See, those three words put it very simply. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. Therefore, Jacob said he didn't want any wages. He wanted Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. Therefore, Jacob would not serve for any indefinite number of days, but for seven years. See, Jacob's words in in verse 18, I'll serve these seven years for Rachel, It brings out how Jacob had nothing to offer Laban for his daughter except his labor. So he said, what do your wages be? He didn't say anything about labor. He said, what do your wages be? And then Jacob says, well, I don't have anything except I'll work for you. It emphasizes that even though Isaac was a rich man, Jacob had to flee so fast he brought nothing with him. I mean, a man does not serve for a wife unless he has absolutely nothing. Nowhere in the Bible. Do you see a man serving for a wife? Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible do you see a man working for a wife. This shows how absolutely rock bottom Jacob was. A man does not serve for a wife unless he's destitute. Jacob's words in verse 18, I will serve these seven years for Rachel, it shows us that Jacob had nothing to purchase Rachel with. And that's a pitiful picture of having nothing. See, these words are very important in verse 18. I will serve these seven years for Rachel. 
They're coming from the man from whom all the Jewish people came. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071 or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor that's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries call us at 800-247-3051 800-247-3051 Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com.